Philippians. Turn to Philippians. And, um, yeah, I don't know. Um, I don't know if you've ever had this person in your life, but someone where, for some reason, or there's a maybe an event or uh, something that happened, an experience that happened in your life where you have that connection. Like, that's what connects you. Uh, for instance, um, my freshman year at college, right? I, you know, a lot of people, that they already know their roommate that they're going to get. They kind of line that up. And I said, I'm just going to roll the dice, which is, can be very risky, by the way. And, uh, and so we, um, I walked in. I had two roommates. Um, and one of those roommates, his name was, his, his legal real name was Jerry Lewis. And uh, he's like, I like to go by Brandon. I'm like, well, of course you do, but I'm going to call you Jerry. We're gonna, I'm going to call you Jerry Lewis because that's just cool. And so, so anyway, he was my, fresh, my roommate my freshman year, and uh, uh, he was my roommate my sophomore year, my junior year. Uh, that summer I got married, so my wife was my roommate my senior year, and uh, she smelled a lot better than Jerry did. But, um, you know, we just connected that first year. And, uh, and we had each other. And so from, from that point on, like Jerry and I, like I haven't seen him in a long time. He was in my wedding. Uh, but we connect a little bit here and there on Facebook and whatnot. Uh, but we will always, when I think of Jerry, I will think of my roommate, right? Like he was my, that college roommate. Uh, he, he helped me a lot, kind of get through some hard things. And, uh, you know, it was funny because usually there was like four guys in a room and like we'd have two on this side, two on that side. And I always knew no matter how weird those other two guys were, at least I had Jerry, you know, like we at least somewhat liked each other. And so, um, but I don't know if you've ever had that connection, but there's someone in your life, maybe, maybe you went through a very scary uh, experience together. And so whenever you think of them, you remember that event or that thing or uh, you just will always have that connection. And so what happens is we see that, uh, we're going to see that tonight in the book of Philippians with Paul, where Paul had this, this deep, deep connection, uh, love with this church uh, in Philippi. And so um, our church does a thing on Wednesday nights, and they don't do it all the time, but every once in a while, about once a year, they'll do like a six-week deal on Wednesday nights with the adults, uh, we'll have our, we have our teens do a separate time as the adults. And uh, they call it Two Men in a Bible. And uh, basically it's like two of our assistant pastors or two guys at the church, and they'll do a Bible study. Uh, I think the last time they did it through, uh, through Jonah, you know, and they do, they'll do a Bible study uh, through a book of the Bible. And it's two of them. And so it's a little unique and different. You've got two different personalities. And uh, last year I said, that's cool. Like they were doing it. And I'm like, that's pretty cool. And I had the idea to do that with the teenagers. And so I figured it'd be me. And then each week we rotated. We had a different teenage boy uh, do it. You know, and it's really cool because like the teenage boys, a lot of them, they, they like to speak. They like to preach. But to get up and preach like a 30-minute message, you know, might be a little tricky for them. And so it was fun to do that uh, with them. And one of the boys uh, was my son, Shane. He just graduated from college or from, from high school. He's going to college uh, this year for ministry, and so he we and I enjoyed that, you know, just that father-son deal doing that. And so we chose the book of Philippians uh, to do this, and so it was a great, it was a 
it was, I think we did five weeks, very extensive Bible study on the book of Philippians. But through that uh, Bible study, uh, I realized and learned um, how strong missions, the topic of missions, is in the book of Philippians. And so I love how it relates uh, to the topic of missions. And so we're going to look at tonight some of the verses uh, through Philippians that pertain to, uh, to the concept of missions, of being a missionary. And so um, today we would call, like I see on your back wall, you have mission letters on your back wall right there, right? So those are letters that your missionaries that you support, uh, that they send back to you to tell you what's going on over there, things that have happened, maybe people they've uh, won to the Lord, uh, some updates, uh, things to pray for. And I'd encourage you to look at those and pray for your missionaries. Get to know them. Um, maybe even as a family, you could like adopt a missionary family. Like Your kids would celebrate those kids' birthdays or do different things. And so this, uh, the Philippians could be considered a, a prayer letter that Paul was writing back to Philippians as one of his supporting churches because they were very supportive of Paul. Uh, emotionally, uh, but uh, and prayerfully, but even physically, they, they help supply his and take care of his needs that he had. And so uh, he's writing to them um, as, as, a, um, as a missionary. And so, um, let's see, so a few things about Philippians. Uh, and first, I know I said turn to Philippians, but we're going to look at uh, Acts chapter 16 real quick because I think it's important to know how the Philippian church became, how it, how it came about, how it was started. And um, a couple things while you're turning there. Uh, the chief theme of Philippians is joy and encouragement. It was written to the Christians in a Roman colony of Philippi. Um, it was, had a lot of significance to Paul because it was the first church that he founded in, in Europe. And so uh, today, modern day, it would be down like... Um, like you have Greece, the Greece kind of wraps around. It'd be kind of in that little uh, area um, there where it's kind of uh, in Greece. And so, um, and so Acts chapter 16, I love the start of this church. And you know it. You may not know that this is how the church was started, but uh, you know this story most likely. And so Acts chapter 16, verse 9, And a vision appeared to Paul in the night. There, there stood a man of Macedonia, and prayed him, saying, Come over into Macedonia and help us. And after he had seen the vision, immediately uh, we endeavored to go into Macedonia, assuredly gathering that the Lord had called us to preach the gospel unto them. And from thence to Philippi. Um, okay, then verse 12. And from thence to Philippi, which is the chief city of the part of Macedonia, and a colony, and we were in that city abiding certain days. And... Uh, so I think the first thing to understand with missionaries uh, that we see here in Paul in Paul's life was Paul went to Philippi for one reason, and that's because God told him to. And so uh, to understand that God has called, like in a minute we're going to talk about that um, that calling, but uh, God, we feel God led us. In my life, um, we feel led in three things. If you look back over my life, uh, there's been no question. Like I said this morning, I always worried about where I was going to go to, where I was going to serve in a church, you know, after college. And there's no question that God led us to Placid, Nebraska. And it was, we almost ended up at a different church and 
looking back, it's like, man, God really spared us and God really took care of us by putting us in Placidus. It was a connection. I connected with our pastor there. I connected with the teenagers. It was such a good thing. And looking back, we see God just having His hand upon our life there in Placidus. Another thing that God led in our lives that we, looking back again, we know was 100% the will of God. Uh, now, I was telling your pastor this story today at lunch. But several years ago, uh, there was two boys in our church and they were taken out of Omaha uh, uh, for a very bad situation. They were, they were five and eight when they were taken out of their home in Omaha. And they were pretty much neglected, left to themselves, uh, kind of feeding themselves and just, just kind of you know, take care of themselves. They were put into foster care. And um, a lot of times when kids are put into foster care, uh, they, they move around a lot. They're put into group homes. They're, they're just, they, and they develop a lot of just emotional baggage. And they develop just some issues. And for some reason, out of the sovereignty of God, he, had, he just had his hand on these boys' lives. And they went into one foster home. Uh, this was an older couple in, in our town. Uh, they did foster care for like ever, you know. They, I think they've had over a hundred kids go through their 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 house. Uh, they lived in the country, so they had some structure. Just uh, they were so good for these boys, and they started. It was Daniel and Lacory are their names, and they started coming to our church and uh, through our bus ministry, and uh, we went to camp with them, and so we developed a heart. We got to know them, and uh, the state has to seek what they would call a permanency, right? Which would be adoption. And, uh, and they have to find a, a permanent home for these boys because, you know, if you think about it, those boys age out of the system they, and they don't get them somewhere. They have nowhere. Like, they belong nowhere. Where do they go for Christmas? Where do the, who's their kids' grandparents? Who's, you know, who, who's, you know, who do these kids belong to? And so they're seeking permanency and just a lot of just, not good situations that they were trying to put them into, and just kind of met. And they were pretty good the way they were, right? They were, they had a good school they were going to. They had a good home life. They had church. They had friends, and uh, the state was messing with them. And I made the statement, which be careful making this statement. But I made this statement. I said someone ought to just adopt those boys, right? And uh, you got to be careful because when you say someone ought to do something, that someone might be you. And so. Uh, so anyway, over a few months of prayer and counsel and uh, really praying about it, we ended up adopting uh, LaCorey and Daniel. And so LaCorey is um, 22 years old. He's in the Air Force out in Sumter, uh, South Carolina. Daniel is 19. He goes to a, a college in our area. And uh, looking back, we, there's no question. And we always said we feel like, yes, we're doing this to help them, but we feel like God's doing this for, in our family. Like He's trying to do something in our home, in our family, and uh, it's been just, uh, you know, it's been a great thing. And so, again, so moving to Plasmith, adopting the boys, and then third thing, we feel, no question, just as much as we felt like God was in those two things, that God is in leading us to Portugal. And uh, again, um, how God led Paul to, uh, to Philippi, uh, God leads missionaries to where they, where they go as well. And so, uh, let's keep reading in Acts chapter 16 and verse 23. We're going to read a little bit here. Uh, and when they had laid many stripes, and so they go to Philippi and doesn't start off too well. 
right? They get into some trouble. They cast the demon out of this lady and the, her masters got kind of mad at that. And so, you know, they, they, they just, next thing you know, they find themselves in trouble with the law and they're being punished. And so, uh, and so here we go. And when they had laid many stripes upon them, they cast them into prison, charging the jailer to keep them safely, who having received such a charge, thirst them into the inner prison and made their feet fast as socks. And at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises unto God. And the prisoners heard them. And suddenly there was a great earthquake, so that the foundations of the prison were shaken, and immediately all the doors were opened, and everyone's bands were loosed. And the keeper of the prison, awaking out of his sleep, and seeing the prison doors open, he drew out his sword and would have killed himself, supposing that the prisoners had been fled. But Paul cried a loud voice, saying, Do thyself no harm, for we are all here. Then he called for a light and sprang in and came trembling and fell down before Paul and Silas and brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved, and thy house. And they spake unto him the word of God and all that were in his house. And he took them the same hour of the night and washed their stripes and was baptized and he, he and all his, he and all his straightway. And when he had brought them into his house, he set meat before them and rejoiced, believing in God with all his house. And so again, this is the beginning of the church of Philippi. And it starts in jail, which is interesting because these people that he, Paul is writing the book of Philippi from jail. He's in jail somewhere else now. And these are people that are still being persecuted. And yet it's a book about joy. And so here he is, uh, this church was started uh, with him reaching the Philippian jailer. And so uh, a pretty uh, amazing start to this church. And so, um, like I said, as we go through the book of Philippians, there's a lot we could cover. Uh, but again, I want, we're going to focus on the relationship that Paul has as a missionary to, uh, to the world through this church. And so, um, let's see. And, and I think it's good to think about, like, imagine... Again, like it's so cool that he, the Philippian church was reached by Paul, right? It was started by Paul and Silas. And now here he's going around starting more churches and they are a supporting church of them, of him doing this. And so I think it was so important to them because they saw the results firsthand. Like they're thinking, where would we be if it wasn't for Paul coming here? And so we want to continue to help them, continue to help him do more of this. And so again, I think it's good for us to realize, to think, to question, where would I be if someone didn't reach me? Where would I be? Like we take sometimes we take things for granted, and I think our Christianity is one of those things. Sometimes it can be so easy to focus on negativity, and we think about church, and we're like, oh, I don't like. You know, uh, this is beautiful, by the way, uh, your, your new auditorium or your platform and your foyer. And, you know, if you're not careful, you can focus on like, man, why did they pick that color? Like, why, why, did, why did we do that? Why did they do it like that? And instead of realizing, like, where would I be without church? Where would I be without the gospel? Where would I be without Jesus in my life? And, uh, and so, uh, anyway, they related with Paul because of the importance of Jesus in their life. And so, uh, three things we're going to point out as we go through uh, this. And so, uh, first of all, in uh, chapter 1, uh, Philippians chapter 1, and we're going to read verse 2 through 5. 
And the uh, first thing we want to notice is the word love. And so, uh, 2 through 5, Grace be unto you, and peace from God our Father, and from the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God upon every remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine, for you, for you all making requests with joy, for your fellowship in the Gospel from the first day until now. And so the first thing I want to point out is it's all about the Gospel. It's all about the Gospel. And if missions is ever not, and there's a lot of things out there that are not about the Gospel, right? Like, like a lot of like, you know, people going around the world doing good things for people. You know, I'm all for taking a good friend of mine. Uh, he works with a ministry called Medical Missions Outreach, and they organize taking missions trips to to countries all over the world. And they'll 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 get uh, get partner with doctors and and uh, nurses, and they'll go. And I'm all for it. these countries. These people they have major medical needs, and they're they're not they don't have the care that we have. And they'll line up. Uh, they were telling the story about a church in Africa where these people will travel. They will walk by foot for a day. They'll get there to that church that night, and they'll 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 sleep outside. They'll get in the line, and there'll be a line, and they'll sleep outside that church, and then they'll stand in line all day the next day, and they'll get hopefully get taken care of that next day, and then um, and then make that journey back home. And I'm all for medical care and helping these countries and building wells and helping them get uh, water and and all these needs. But what makes my friend's ministry so great is. Once they get done taking care of their physical needs, they help take care of the most important need they ever have, and they share the gospel with them. And so again, this is all about the gospel. It's all through the gospel. The gospel is the greatest act of love that we will ever see. The gospel is what unites us. If we look at verse 8, uh, it says, for, for God is my record how greatly I long after you all in the bowels of Jesus Christ. Like Paul is saying from the... From my insides, I, I love you. I care about you. And again, that unite that 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 what united him with those people was Jesus Christ. Uh, was the gospel. His love was so strong because God called him uh, to do something for them. Uh, verse nine. And this I pray that your love may abound yet more and more in knowledge and in all judgment. As I spoke this morning in um, in the Bible study about the the power of the motivator of love, and that's the greatest motivator we'll ever have is love, and so um, that's what drove Paul to help start these churches, and that's what drove them in their support of him was they had a love for Paul because of uh, him uh, giving Jesus to them, and so uh, the next thing I want to point out is the unity in serving together. And uh, if we look at uh, verse 27, verse 27, um, only let your conversation be as it becometh the gospel of Christ, that whatever I come and see you or else be absent, I may hear of your affairs that ye stand fast in one spirit with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. And so again, uh, whether you're here in Brookings, South Dakota, or where I live in Plastic, Nebraska, or somewhere in Africa, or Portugal, or whatever it is, we are united. You think about your missionaries that you support. You are united with them. And again, why? Because of the Gospel. That's what unites us. And, uh, and we are all in this together. 
And, uh, you know, it's, it's a partnership. You know, we use the word support a lot, uh, that we support missionaries. But honestly, a better word would be partnership. It's a partnership. You think about a business partner, right? You have the financial guy. He's got a partner with the guy that's actually doing it, right? He's running the business. He's running that restaurant. And the, the financial partner is just as much responsible for that restaurant. You know, uh, you go in and you, you, you're a partner in this restaurant. That restaurant's making great food, right? Well, that financial partner is just as much a part of that. And you as a financial partner with your missionaries that you have and a prayer partner, you're just as much in, uh, part of people getting saved and ministries going forward in these countries as the, the boots on the ground, as, as he is, as the missionary. And so, um, and so we're all in this together. Uh, let's go over to chapter 2. And we're going to read a, a few verses there. And uh, verse 1. If there be any uh, consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any bowels and mercies, fulfill ye my joy that ye may be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. Let nothing be done, uh, strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, and took upon him the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. And so, uh, again, the key is to be like Jesus, right? And here in this passage, we see that Jesus was humble and that uh, Paul took on that lowliness of mind and the humility there. And, uh, And so we simply allow God to use us. Uh, verse 12 and 13. Wherefore, my beloved, as ye have always obeyed, not as in my uh, presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God's which worketh, or God which worketh in you, both to will and to do of His good pleasure. And again, no matter what it is we do in life, we are allowing God to work in our life. We are allowing God to be a part of it. I brought this up here. And uh, this, this is cool to me because uh, my wife asked, asked, said, are you ever going to spin that? And I said, probably not. And so, but I don't, it probably defeats the purpose of what this was for. But uh, th- I mentioned this morning, this is only our third church to ever come to. It's our first church where we've really just been here all day and, and uh, done everything like this. Uh, but our first church we went to was in Fremont, Nebraska. It's about an hour from our house. And um, we, I went on a missions trip with our school to Honduras. We got back late Tuesday night. And Wednesday night, we went up to this church and presented our ministry there. And afterwards, this uh, little girl, and uh, if you ever go to our website, I have an article I wrote. There's a picture of her on there. And um, our prayer card, you can get updates and sign up for that and do all that. But um, this little girl came up and gave us this jar of money. And it was so humbling, like, <laughs> It was really humbling to me because you think of like this is part of it. We go, we have to, you know, present our ministry to churches. And when you really think of like, like this is not a big business opportunity, right? This is not 
This is not going to churches and taking money. This is, this is a little girl sacrificing and saving money in her missionary jars, what this says here, right? And then she chose, for some reason, she chose us to like entrust this money that she could have spent on something else. I don't know, there's probably 10 bucks in here that she probably could have spent on something else. But she chose to save it as for a missionary and to give it. And it, it was just, it was humbling to think of that. And it was humbling to, to, uh, to, it's, it's, it's huge too, right? Like, man, we better, we better get this thing right. We better do this right because God's entrusting us, but He's also using resources from, uh, from precious, uh, Christians to, to do this as well. And so, and so what makes this so unique as we were thinking about it on the way home, that was, this is the very first love offering that we ever received was from that, uh, from this little girl. And it's probably the most special one we've ever received. And so, um, anyway, um, and your pastor tried to steal it tonight. <laughs> wow. Wow. Anyway, anyway, all right. And, uh, you know what though? I found out this morning, if I want to get you, like, laughing, I should make fun of Brother Pigors. Man, you guys really enjoyed that this morning. And, uh, and so anyway, anyway, um, that's me at our church, by the way. If, if they want to get a good laugh, they just make fun of Brother Marks and uh, that'll get people going. So they always enjoy that for some reason. And then lastly, I want to look at uh, the word provision, provision, uh, God's provision. Chapter four. Um, and again, we need to remember the, jo- the theme for Philippians is joy, uh, is joy. So verse one in chapter four is Therefore, my brethren, dearly beloved, and long for my joy and crown. So stand fast in the Lord, my dearly beloved. And uh, the Philippians' spiritual success was like Paul. I mean, he was telling them, like, you are my like crowning joy. Like this was like his crowning moment. Like they were such a success. If you know much about Paul and the Bible, you know, like you also have this book called Corinthians, right, where he writes to these people and like the Corinthian church. Had problems and they had issues that he was always trying to straighten them out and help them figure things out. And here, the Philippian church was the opposite. It was his joy. It was such a joy for him to uh, to. There wasn't problems. There, I'm sure there was, right? Because we're all humans, and uh, and so. But it, it it was a joy to him. Uh, it was his crowning achievement, you know. And here he gave his life. He was beat for these people, right? Like he was thrown in the jail and he was. He was uh, whipped, uh, and yet he th- it's worth it. It's worth it. And uh, sometimes ministry can be hard, and sometimes uh, serving God can be hard. But when you see the fruit of your labor, when you see the Philippian church thriving and uh, doing well, it was his crowning moment. Um, verse 15, it says this, Now ye Philippians know also that in the beginning of the Gospel, when I departed from Macedonia, no church communicated with me as concerning giving and receiving, but ye only. And uh, I want to point out the, uh, the, the concept, don't assume someone else is going to do it. Don't assume someone else is going to do it. I remember um, just oh, a couple months ago, a good, real good friend of mine, uh, I've known him my entire time that I've been uh, in Plattsmouth. And he was moving, right? And he was moving. And so he says, I don't know why, uh, Nick, I don't know if this, you have this problem here, but, you know, for some reason when someone's moving, they think that's the youth pastor's job 
to figure that out, right? Like, hey, can you get a few teenagers to come over and help us move? And it's like, it's not that easy, by the way. But anyway, so I'm like, well, I'll announce it. But uh, we, they don't listen to announcements anyway. So, uh, but anyway, and so Bob was moving, and he comes to me, and as a friend, I wanted to help Bob move, right? It was during the day, so I knew some people were going to be working, and so I, we tried, I tried to get people to help, because if I'm going to be there, you know, many hands make the load light, right? And so, um, anyway, my son and I, we showed up to Bob's house to help him move. And to my amazement, we were the only people there. And that's not good. That's not good. And he did not have a lot of stuff, which was good. But the little stuff he did have weighed a thousand pounds for some reason. This, like, cabinet was, like, old. And it, I don't know what kind of wood they used to use, but it was really heavy for some reason. And, uh, anyway, and we, it was hard, it was rough. Like, it was rough because Bob, he's older than I am and he has back problems. And then he had a buddy come and help him and he's older than Bob was and he had more back problems. And so here my son and I, we're helping Bob move and it was, it was rough. And uh, we were done. We kind of, I didn't know it was going to be like that, right? We were just going, hey, a bunch of us, we'll get in. We'll get some free pizza out of the deal, hopefully. And uh, we'll, we'll grab a few boxes. But uh, anyway, and my son, I was kind of, I kind of felt bad for him because he did more work than any of us, right? And so um, I kind of felt bad for him. And I, was so in, I was so happy with his spirit uh, where he could have complained because my son likes to complain sometimes. And uh, he could have complained, but instead he said, Dad, could you imagine if we, if we didn't come and help? Like, what would Brother Hoyt have done uh, if, he, if we didn't go and help him? And I love that spirit because, again, sometimes you think, you know, yeah, I committed. I don't know how you do your missions giving here or, or whatever it is, but you commit and, and you, 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 God speaks to you to do something and then you think, well, it's okay. If I don't do it, someone else will. And you know, your pastor mentioned it earlier about missionaries. And yes, I'm going to Portugal as a missionary. But you know what? You're going somewhere as a missionary tomorrow, right? You're going somewhere as a missionary tonight. Your neighborhood is a mission field. Because if you don't reach those people in your neighborhood, there's a good chance they will never be reached. Like if you don't do it, like who else is? Like, what other Christian is God going to put in those lives? That guy that works with you. Uh, God put you in, in the path of that guy or that woman for a reason. And it could be because he, he wants you to reach that person. And so, again, in our life, understand that uh, we have a mission field. Kids, your school, uh, that, you know, uh, whatever it is, inviting a kid to church, inviting someone to church, that's our opportunity. And be careful to ever assume that someone else is going to do it. And so, um, and I'll, I'll be done here real soon. Verse 16, For even in Thessalonica ye sent once again unto my necessity, not because I desire a gift, but I desire fruit that may abound to your account. And so, uh, again, Paul was doing the work, but this fruit that he was picking it was being applied to their account as well, right? Because of their support of him uh, through prayer and through uh, financial and all of what they did. And so it's very important uh, of what we are doing. And so um, and so then uh, we'll wrap this up. Verse 19, uh, and again, I think the key to all of this, verse 19, 
but my God shall supply all your need according to His riches in glory by Christ Jesus. And, um, you know, I just, uh, I just, I just wrote an article about, um, this, this Bible study that my wife and I have been going to. And it's new. We didn't really know any of the people in it. And, uh, there was a family there and they are going to Jamaica as missionaries. And uh, God really helped cross our paths. They've really helped us in this early stage of, of learning things and just, uh, just some tips and tricks on, on how to do it better. Um, and figuring out this new missionary life, right? And uh, the other day, uh, like they're literally they're leaving. I think in two weeks, and uh, they're they're kind of wrapped. They're they're getting their support. They're trying to raise money, do you know, raise partners and, and money and all that. And um, Dave looked at me, and he and we literally just met like two months ago. And Dave looked at me, and he said, "Hey man, when you're ready to go, like we want like send us more information." Because we want to, we want to part, we want to support you. And I thought that was so weird. Like here's a guy, a missionary, that he's raising support for himself. He's trying to get to the field to Jamaica. They're they're going to work, uh, run an orphanage, work with an orphanage over there, and do different things. And here he's trying to raise money himself, but yet he wants to help us. And my wife and I looked at each other just kind of with this, you know, amazement. And then he made this phrase. He said, "Look, man." Like, it's all God's money. It's all God's money. Like, God's going to take care of my needs, and God's going to take care of your needs. You know, you're, we're, we're working to serve Him. And so, so whether He gives it to you, or whether He gives it to me to give to you, like, God's going to take care of us, and um, it's all God's money. And then uh, lastly, verse 23, um, the last verse of Philippians, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. And again, don't forget that it's God's grace to live in this relationship with Jesus. It's God's grace that we have this opportunity to live in this relationship with Jesus. As I mentioned this morning in Sunday school, that salvation in grace is not just our ticket to heaven. Although thankful, thank God it is our ticket to heaven, right? But it's not, that's not just what it is. It's this relationship with Jesus. It's this opportunity, that this freedom from sin, this, this liberty we have in Christ to live a relationship with Jesus. And, um, you know, again, there's so much we can learn. I focused a lot on the, on the missionary relationship tonight. But man, if you're here tonight and you don't have that relationship with Jesus, you've not asked him, accepted Him as your Savior I would encourage you, there's nothing more important than doing that in your life and to start that relationship and build that, that uh, accepting Him as your Savior. And uh, you could talk to your pastor. You could talk to probably anyone in this church. They would love to help you uh, with figure that out in your life. And then I would lastly ask you, how is your relationship with Jesus? What's that relationship look like? How, often, how much do we talk with Him? How much do we walk with Him? How much do we, how in love are we with Jesus? And uh, that's something we could pray about and think about in our life. Let's pray and then I'll uh, turn this over to your pastor.